Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. When was your Job moment? Is there a time in your life that you can point to and say, yep, that was my Job moment? Maybe it was some childhood trauma that still lingers till today. Maybe it's something that happened to you later in life, an accident, a divorce, a death of a child, a death of a spouse. Basically, your world blew up. And when our worlds blow up, we want to know first what is going on. Is there any explanation for this? And what is God? What's he doing with all this? And those are the two questions I'm going to ask here this morning. The question of what can you understand about your suffering? And what can you understand about God? In the midst of your Job moment, what can you understand about suffering? And what can you understand about God? Let's go ahead and turn to the book of Job. We're going to be looking at all of chapter 1 this morning and parts of chapter 2. And I know this may be a familiar story to a lot of you, but may you encounter God in a fresh way. Let's start with Job 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Job is probably one of the oldest books in the Old Testament. The life of Job probably even happened before Abraham and certainly before Israel. And Job and all the characters in the book are not Israelites, but they're in the land of Uz, which is not Israel. And I don't want you to get distracted by some of the historical setting. The important thing to understand at this juncture, it says that Job was blameless, upright, God-fearing man who turned away from evil. He's not sinless, but he is a man who is serious about following the Lord and turning away from evil. Verse 2, seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. During that time, it would be divine favor if he had a lot of kids. He's got a lot of kids. He has a lot of livestock. He has a lot of servants. And I'm sure the Forbes of his time would consider him one of the greatest men of the East. You could say that he was Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos, all in one man, except Job walked with the Lord. Verse four, 
His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So his sons would throw these parties. They're probably birthday parties, okay? And they would all come together and they would have a great time feasting and celebrating. And then afterwards, Job would make these sacrifices to the Lord, these atoning sacrifices, thinking that perhaps his children had cursed God. So he's a righteous man who's walking with the Lord, who cares for his kids, so much so that he's going to be an intercessor for his kids. He's going to intercede on their behalf. So I want you to understand at the front of this book is that Job is not deserving of the suffering he's about to experience. You can think about Jesus Christ, who's even perfect, would not be deserving of the suffering he's about to experience, or he did experience. But in the book of Job... So far, we have a Disney movie. We have a fairy tale. This man is getting all that he deserved. He's getting wealth because he's been a righteous man. He has a number of kids because he is a godly man. This is a beautiful story that's about to take a dark turn. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Huh. So there's this heavenly court of angels here referenced as the sons of God who came before the Lord to give account of their work. And this fallen angel, in the original it's called the Satan, Satan is among them. Think of him more like Judas among the disciples. He's an outsider. He's a traitor. He's a deceiver. He's a chaos creator. And ultimately, he's an enemy of God. Verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. In other words, Satan has been roaming around and wrecking havoc as he is the deceitful, roaring lion. That's what he does. And the Lord challenges him. Verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless, an upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. So God has his stamp of approval on Job saying there is no one like him on the earth. He's a real believer. He's not a fake believer. He's not a make-believer. He is a legit believer who lives it out. Satan pushes back. Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Satan is making this argument saying, you know what? Job just follows you because you give him the goods. You take away the goods. You remove that blessing. He will surely curse you to your face. It's a challenge. 
and the Lord doesn't strike back, but he's like, all right, let's just test this out. He gives Satan permission to take away all that he believes that is propping up Job's faith, but he can't touch Job himself. Now, I don't want you to see Satan and God as equals because Satan has to get permission from God to do anything. So they're not equals warring against each other. The Lord is the Lord, and he reigns supreme. Let's see what happens. Back down to the earth. Now, keep in mind, Job has no knowledge of this meeting in heaven. Verse 13. Now on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. Calamity is about to build for starters. His sons and daughters are having a party again in the older brother's house. The first messenger comes to tell Job that his oxen and donkeys have been stolen and his servants have been killed by the sword. So far, farm animals dead, servants dead. Verse 16, let it build. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants that consumed them and I alone have escaped to tell you. Looks like lightning has come down and struck and killed the sheep and the servants. And these attacks are from the enemies of God and from the destructiveness of nature. So the troubles compound even more. Farm animals dead, servants dead, flocks dead. Verse 17 gets worse. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Now the camels are stolen by the evil Chaldeans and the servants were killed by the sword. Farm animals dead, livestock dead, camels stolen. It just keeps compounding. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So tornado comes in, seems like, and just sweeps the house away, kills all 10 of his kids. Livestock gone Servants killed, children dead. Try to imagine this scenario, modern times, maybe your generation. Let's just do this, your generation. I heard this, and it's very appropriate for your generation. Imagine a woman. She's living up north with her three kids. She hears of a great job down in Texas. So she moves down in Texas for this great job and she takes all of her retirement and she takes all of her stock options and she invests them in her job at Enron. After a while, Enron goes bust. She loses her job. She loses all her money. And oh yeah, she just found a lump and goes to the doctor and finds out that it's cancer. No job, she has cancer. Oh, by the way, her husband who left her years ago, he's doing great with his new wife. 
So she has to move in with her parents, with her three kids in a cramped house. And they're very sick, so she has to take care of them as well. This is what we call when the other shoe drops. Things are going great for Job. Drop, drop, drop. Uh, Maybe you've had this happen to you before. Maybe you're there now. I, I, I don't know. So the question we want to have is, okay, what can Job at this point in the story understand about his suffering? Nothing. What can Job understand of why this is happening to him? We know the whole heavenly discourse, but so far it looks like natural disasters, out of control, wicked men, and his kids are dead. What is going to be Job's response in the midst of just horrific suffering? Is Satan going to be right that Job is going to curse God now that all the blessings are removed? Let's see what happens, all right? Verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job worshiped. In mourning, he tore his clothes, shaved his head, and fell down. He proclaimed that he came from the womb naked, and he shall die naked. The Lord blessed in giving, the Lord blessed in taking away. Either way, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the first instinct that you probably have, if you've ever read this story, is to say, no, Job, God didn't take that away. Satan took it away. You're wrong. You can't see what's happening in heaven. You can't say the Lord gave and the Lord taken away because it wasn't him. It was Satan. Don't don't put this on God. And yet, have you ever paid attention to verse 22? The very next verse. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. So Job, in a sense, what he's saying is the Lord gave and and the Lord taken away. And it's saying that he didn't sin. He didn't blame God. Now, I want you to understand this. Satan can do nothing without God's permission. God is ultimately in control and sovereign with what comes your way and what doesn't come your way. He is sovereign and control of everything. And now this may blow your mind because you say, okay, if God is sovereign and God is in control, does that mean that he ordains and authorizes evil and is he responsible for evil? And the answer is no. If you read your Bibles, God is never responsible for evil. And yet the Bible tells us that God is in control and sovereign over everything. And so you pull back and you go, okay, I studied the Bible. Now, I know we have some people in here who are going to have different opinions, and so I'm going to allow for those opinions. So there's some in here that say, when suffering comes my way, God causes it. Not responsible before it, but he causes it. And you say, okay, I'm not comfortable with that language. Some of you say, okay, when suffering comes my way, God 
ordains it for my good. He's not responsible for evil, but he ordains suffering for my good. When it comes away, because you got God causes people, you got God ordains suffering. And then the third group of people in here say, well, well, God allows evil to come our way. He's not responsible for it. He, he doesn't allow it. So I'm not sure what kind of person you are or what you believe doctrinally that God causes suffering to come your way for good, or God ordains suffering to come your way for good, or God allows suffering to come on your way for good. So whatever view you take, I think that every single person in here, we can all agree that God chose not to stop it, right? We all believe that he had power to stop what came our way, whether he ordained it, whether he caused it, whether he allowed it, but we can all agree that God chose not to stop it. He could have. But whatever came your way, he allowed it to come your way. Why? Well, it's hard to answer that question, right? That's the question we want to know when we're in suffering. God, why, why is this happening to me? But we can know that God is still in control. We can know that he's still sovereign. And we can imitate Job in worship. And the question is, well, why would you worship God during suffering? Okay, let's just do this as New Testament Christians, okay? We're New Testament believers in Jesus. We can worship God because he loves us. He sent his son to die for us. He gave us eternal life. He, he, he's sympathetic to us in our suffering. He knows what we're going through because he's been here. So there's a lot of reasons that we can give on why we should worship God in our suffering. He's a good, good father. He knows what he's doing. He's working for our good and his glory. We all agree with that, but for Job, he is praising God because God is sovereign. God gave, God took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. God is in control in giving to you. God is in control when it gets taken away from you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know if that's your attitude in worship. I don't know if that's your attitude of praising him when the suffering comes. And do you ever had a moment in your life where you think, man, it is so bad. If one more thing happens to me, it's all over with. Well, that happened to Job. There's still more. Chapter 2. Let's take it to another level. Verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord, said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. So the, the meeting is very similar to what we had before. God has been vindicated so far because Job did not curse him, but held firm to his integrity. 
Satan doesn't want to acknowledge his defeat, but wants to go another round. He's like, all right, let's touch his flesh and bone. God says, let's do it. Go ahead. Give it your best shot. Don't kill him, but go ahead. Let's see if Job's going to curse me now. Verse 7 and 8. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Now this sounds horrible. Satan has struck Job with severe boils from the top to bottom. Now if you've ever had chicken pox, you can remember they tend to be all over. The boils are on another level. I don't know. How many of you ever had boils before? Yeah. How many of you have them now? Don't answer that question. Don't answer They're painful. So he gets pottery and he starts to scrape himself as he's sitting in the ashes and still mourning. Now, I, I want you to understand the extent that Job is physically suffering. Forget all the mental anguish and mourning and all that for his family. That's still there. But let's just think about what does he experience physically? I was reading something that kind of recaps all his physical ailments through this book. Um, for example, in chapter 2, he has inflamed ulcerous sores. It's also in chapter 2, which leads to persistent itching, uh, a degenerative change in facial skin and disfiguration. In chapter 3, he has a loss of appetite. Chapter 3, also fears and depression. Chapter 7, purulent sores that burst open, scab over, crack and ooze with pus. Also in chapter 7, worms that form in the sores themselves. Chapter 9, he has difficulty breathing. Chapter 16, darkening of the eyelid. Chapter 19, foul breath. Also in chapter 33, he has loss of weight. Chapter 30, excruciating continual pain. High fever with chills and discoloring of skin, as well as anxiety and diarrhea. Yeah, you thought you had problems. Well, now it's time for his sweet wife to comfort and encourage him. It's always good to marry someone that's really encouraging. Verse 9, then his wife said to him, do you still Hold fast your integrity, curse God and die. That is exactly what Satan wants Job to do. And Job says to her, I wish you would have died instead of the kids. No, he doesn't say that. Look what he says, <laughs> verse 10. <laughs> Gotta read your Bibles. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? What? There goes Job again. What? You want to say, Job, no, 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 Job. It, it's not from God. It's from Satan. Satan's the one that has brought this adversity. Don't say we should accept good from God and not adversity. No, no, Job, you're wrong. Once again, what does it say at the very end of verse 10? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In other words, Satan 
could do nothing to Job if not permitted by God. Therefore, God is sovereign and in control of everything, including bringing good and allowing adversity. Does Job have an explanation of what is happening to him? Nope. Do you have an explanation for what is happening to you? When my Job moment hit in 2017, I didn't really have many answers to why is this happening to me, God. But if I step back, I can say this, this is what I was trying to do. All right, God, you're sovereign, you're in control. You gave me health and your sovereign plan, you took it away. Praise you. And you think, how can we possibly do that? Of course, when something happens to us, we can try to find um, some relief. Go to doctors. I went to doctors. I got put in those big old tubes, you know, where they do those scans. Okay, I I went to do that. So try to find some relief if you can. But what we don't want to do is when calamity comes our way, we don't want to turn away from the Lord, whether we curse him with our mouth or we curse him with our lives by turning to other things of this world to find relief. My brothers and sisters, you should suffer differently than people without Jesus. You should look different. They're gonna go through the same stuff that you go through, but your response should be completely different than theirs. It should not lead to cursing God, it should not lead to griping, and it should not lead to complaining. Do you realize how much the world suffers? They suffer so much. This past week, I was watching a documentary by a guy I'm sure none of you have ever heard of, maybe some of the younger ones in here. His name is Machine Gun Kelly. It's okay if you don't know him. If you go look him up, he'll scare you. But he's a rapper slash punk rocker. But in this documentary, he's talking about the anguish and the pain and the suffering he's experienced. And for relief, he turns to heavy drugs and alcohol. It's almost as if the Lord is not even an option. When we suffer as believers, some of us suffer as if the Lord is not even an option. It's like we don't even turn to him. And we turn to other things for relief and comfort. But the good news is we can turn to one who's been where we've been, walked in flesh, and suffered the greatest suffering ever in bearing the wrath of God on the cross. We can turn to a sympathetic and understanding high priest who is Lord of all. And in him we'll find help in our time of need. We'll find mercy and grace. We don't have to suffer as the world suffers because we have the answer in the suffering servant. So in order for me to get through my Job moment, I had to write stuff out. In fact, I had to write scripture out in my own words as if God was speaking to me on a daily basis. 
Because I sometimes woke up and thought to myself, I can't get through this day. I, I have no balance. When I drive, I dissociate. When I go into a store, I feel like I'm going to fall over. What is going wrong? What is wrong with me, Lord? Why is this happening? And so forget all the whys. I turned to the Lord and I wrote out these few sentences just to make it another day. And it went something like this, God's word to me. You are going to be okay. Ultimately, nothing bad will happen to you. I will take care of you. I'll be there to help you through this. You are not alone. And in your Job moment, maybe you're in a Job season. You are not alone. You can turn to the Lord in worship. You may not understand why it's happening to you, but you can understand that God is in control. He's got a plan. He's working his plan. So my brothers and sisters, let it come out of our mouths. You give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.